your host, Scott Prerost. With me today, I have my co-sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going, Reed? Oh, it's so good. Uh, it's uh, been a busy week for uh, ISU sports. Uh, basketball team's been had a lot of action going. Um, we'll start talking about men's basketball as they uh, got MVC play started uh, this past week, uh, starting with a game against Murray State, in which I think that through their first uh, – eight games that was probably the best they had looked up to that point in the season despite losing by three in overtime uh, but then they bounced back with a 10 point win over Belmont and I would almost argue that that game actually ended up being a little closer than the score or a little the score was closer than the game really was at the end because ISU started blowing it open but some fouling and then Belmont makes some threes down the stretch so it kind of closed the gap a little bit there but I think they're finally starting to maybe get a little bit of rhythm offensively. The defense is still there playing at a high level. And I think Seneca Knight's emergence as a player who can get downhill and create his own basket is really helping this offense. Yeah, Seneca Knight is being what he needs to be and kind of what he was advertised to be at the beginning of the season, which is just huge to see. And then you're seeing other players step in, obviously Jaden Johnson in a different role than he was earlier in the season, uh, playing the four spot, and then... You have um, Colton Sandage kind of had a lesser role in the game um, due to other guys heating up, but you like to see Luke Kasupke. Um And then I was talking with some people after the game. It's like if you told me they were going to shoot that percentage from three-point range, I wouldn't have guessed that Joe Petrakis didn't play, and I wouldn't have guessed that Colton Sandage only went one for one and didn't contribute more to that. So really impressive to see the shooting kind of come from everywhere on the floor, and I think that's kind of what this team needs to have in order to open up other areas of their offense. I think it starts with the outside shooting. Yeah, definitely four players in double digits in that game. Uh, Like I said, the defense continues to play at a high level. The most they've allowed in the game this year is 78. Uh, Last year up to this point, I think it allowed over 100 or near 100 twice or three times already. Um, But I think the big thing that really stood out to me is 50, I believe it was, one second here. So 57 second-half points for ISU. There have been two games where they didn't score that this year. Eastern Illinois and Rhode Island, they didn't reach 57 in an entire game, and they scored that in just the second half. Started 8 of 8 from deep. Um, We talked about Seneca Knight being able to get his own shot. Uh, Luke Kosupke, like you said, needing to be able to knock down those shots. But a player that I don't think you mentioned, Lee McChesney, uh, his ability to score from deep and within, and actually really all three levels. I I think he knocked down one or two mid-range jumpers in that game too. That's going to be huge for this team. I mean, going into this year, he had the, I believe it was a back injury. uh, So he was kind of slow getting into his rhythm. His timing was off. But 9-12 from the field, 2-2 of from deep, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks, a steal. Uh, That's a heck of a performance for Liam McChesney, and that's going to be big going forward, knowing that you have a player um, who can really take over in the middle of that team down low because they haven't had that up to this point this year. Yeah, absolutely, and Peden talked about it postgame that that's kind of just going to become what's expected of him, and he's going to get even more on his plate after that big performance. Um, The career high in points kind of showing what – I think Redbird fans knew he was capable of last season and going into this season that he can score at all three levels. And I think we've talked about it. That's kind of what they need on this team is a player that can score um, in the paint outside and then even do some things in the mid-range, back to the basket scoring. I think that's what this team needs. And he's really impressed me on the defensive end this season, um, being able to guard taller players that outweigh him by quite a 
considerable margin. Yeah. And him, along with Petrakis, have been able to do that really effectively, in my opinion. And it's made the difference um, in terms of keeping games close and not letting one player beat them. Yeah, Lee McChesney's length has been a big part of that defense, obviously. I mean, he's blocking a lot of guards, driving, post driving, uh, trying to make a move. His defense down low is going to be immense for this team because through the first three games, we didn't really see a whole lot of that defense down low, and that's where a lot of teams were feasting. But you find that success there. You have Seneca Knight starting to open up the offense by driving and kicking to these shooters who a lot of these players on this team, if you leave them open, if you give them space, they're going to knock it down. And that's what's going to make this team really scary going forward. Um, they have a big game tonight against Eastern Michigan. Uh, and Imoni Bates there uh, coming into Seth Q Arena. Um, that's a big game for the Redbirds. I mean, you're coming off of that three-point loss to Murray State where, like I said, I thought that was one of their best games of the year. You beat Belmont by 10. If you can go host Eastern Michigan with a good Eastern Michigan team, uh, beat them. You have the return to Horton game Saturday, the energy of that game, You, if you can win there. And then you have very winnable games against Ball State and Chicago State. You could ride potentially a five-game winning streak into the start of real conference play when you travel to UIC December 28th. This game tonight I think is going to be a big, big game for this team. It's going to be interesting to see how a player like, I'm assuming, Kendall Lewis guards Imoni Bates, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with them. Yeah, it's just, I think Peden said it yesterday um, in Jim Benson's article that Imani Bates is someone that is capable of going off for 40 points, and you don't see that at ISU all the time. Um, just someone who's so capable of influencing the game as a single player. So I think the key is to lock him down and go from there. I mean, you see going to this team, going into this game, the team is 2-7, and seven, and it's easy to write them off, but they know just how dangerous that player is, and um, I mean, he went off for 30 against Michigan earlier in the season, and they lost by five to the number 22nd-ranked team in the country. So they are definitely going to give the Redbirds a game, and I think the Redbirds just need to play a full 40 minutes the way that they did on Sunday to really have a shot at taking these guys down. Yeah, and it's not just the shooting. Like I said, I talked about that defense. You have to be able to step up defensively. If your shots aren't not, aren't going down, you have to be able to adjust, get those buckets in the middle where Liam McChesney and Kendall Lewis find the success where Seneca Knight drives, and then you have to be able to get those stops on the defensive end like you did in the second half against Belmont and really through much of the first half as well. So big game for the Redbirds tonight at 7 o'clock. Make it out to Seth Q Arena for that one. Uh, I think that's it for men's basketball. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right, so the next thing I do want to talk about, uh, the women's basketball team, after a two-game losing streak, uh, comes back and beats UMSL on Education Day in a Seth Arena that was absolutely packed with elementary schoolers. Uh, 6,363 people in attendance uh, broke the women's basketball attendance record. And the Redbirds, uh, you could tell the... Despite the 15-point win, Kristen Gillespie was not happy with the way her team played, and she hasn't been happy with the way her team played the last three games, really, she said. Um, Against UNLV, we talked about this last week, they had that 25-turnover performance, which is just, you cannot have that and expect to win games. You ended up only losing by seven, but you cut out three, four of those turnovers, you just might win that game. Um... And then you go into uh, St. Louis, you turn it over 15 times. Still not a great number, especially when you only get nine assists in that game. So a negative assist-to-turnover ratio. But if there is one good takeaway to take away from that win uh, against UMSL here, 
Uh, I think it's the assisted turnover ratio, turning that around and getting 15 assists to just seven turnovers. And Gillespie agreed in the post-game press conference that's going to be a key for this team. Yeah, there's no question that this team needs to um, make sharing the ball a priority, and they just have all the weapons to do it. So it's a matter of um, not looking for your own shot, but trusting, you know, if you're Maya Wong, you got to trust Pedro Robinson, Mary Crompton, um, whoever it may be that has the ball. It just typically happens to be Maya bringing the ball up the floor. Um, just trusting the scores around you, and they um, have done a really good job of that up until, I would say, these past three games. And it's not um, – I think part of that just might be that they've seen exactly what they can do when they're on, and it's hard to stop shooting once you see that you can drop, hit seven three-pointers in the row if you're Paige Robinson. I mean, Mary Crompton has the green light at all times. All so times. It's a, yeah, there's no question. So there's just a matter of finding the best shot even when you have that talent level, which, I mean, they're professionals, obviously. They know what they're doing. Um, so... I think the key is just to continue to trust your teammates and share the ball the way that you did that help you beat Wisconsin and help you start 5-0. and Yeah, definitely. Paige Robinson has been incredible for this team, just under 21 points a game on 54% shooting, 50% from three, 83% from the line. She's just been absolutely ridiculous for this team to go with five rebounds. Um, Mary Crompton, though, 23 of 43 from beyond the arc. That's 53.5%, and that's just a ridiculous number. Uh, Deanna Wilson has struggled a little bit early on this year. She seemed to get a little bit of a rhythm maybe against UMSL, but her presence and her ability to to take over a game is going to be massive for this team going forward. And then, of course, Maya Wong is really starting to open up her offensive play, and she hasn't missed a free throw yet this year, 20 for 20. She's the all-time leading free throw percentage uh, in ISU history. So the guard play this year has been really incredible but you'd like to see Deanna Wilson start getting into that rhythm. You never want your starting center at a 37% field goal clip. Um, uh, Kate Bowman is sitting at uh, 37% as well from the field. That's not a great number from your power forward and your center. You want to get those numbers up, but you have time. Conference plays a little ways away still. Um, you got two games, and then they start conference play December 30th, but this Sunday is going to be a really interesting game last year. When they played Purdue at home, Purdue just overpowered ISU. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think UNLV, they talked about that. That was the big part of that game is they got out, they got beaten physically. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can adjust and find a way to beat Purdue even though they might overpower them. Yeah, it's definitely been nice to see Wong kind of find her own shot. Um, I think her sh- three-point shooting percentage is not reflective of how good of a shooter she is. I mean, she just shoots the ball with confidence and is really strong in that area, and it just hasn't translated to her um, in-game moments. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this Purdue team, you just have to find a way to beat um, Power 5 skill and size, which is a big task um, at this level. And, I mean, you saw it against UNLV. You saw what happened against Iowa in the postseason last year. Um, it's really a big task um, um for Redbird women's basketball, but I think they do have that in them. And that's the thing with the way their team is built. When you have shooters that can get hot, I mean, you're always going to, three is always worth more than two. So if you can get hot from behind the arc, you're giving your team the best chance. And I think that has to be a big part of their game plan as it has been all season, just to continue hitting the three ball and um, looking for shooters as much as they can. Yeah, that's what's so scary about this team. 
I mean, when you have players who can score from all three levels, like uh, Paige Robinson and Maya Wong, when you have Mary Crompton who can shoot the lights out, when you have Deanna Wilson who typically is a force down low, I mean, all those things put together, it's hard. You can't guard one single player on that team, and that's what's going to make this team so scary going forward. So, um, like we said, they have that big game against Purdue on Sunday. You play Green Bay the following Sunday, and then you have a break for uh, the holidays before you start conference play December 30th uh, when you host Drake, which is going to be what a way to open conference play because Drake yeah. is one heck of a team. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team uh, handles it, and uh, I, I'm pretty excited about what they're capable of going forward. Yeah. One point I wanted to touch on was they are going from facing a Division two team in um, – Missouri-St. Louis to a Big Ten team in Purdue. And I kind of question why a mid-major Division One team would schedule a Division Two team in the middle of the season. It's hard to get anyone down to normal um, at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, you know, right ahead of finals week. But I worry that that kind of sets the wrong tone and wrong level of intensity that they'll have to bring into Mackey Arena um, come Sunday against Purdue. I mean, it's just different levels of basketball, clearly. So I think that that could kind of put them at a disadvantage, and that's probably my main concern is um, if they're going to be ready to face a Big Ten opponent after seeing D2 competition uh, just a few days ago. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then you look at the mid-major rankings. Illinois State's still respected for what they have done so far this year, 11th overall in the mid-major rankings. Um, Drake, like I mentioned, 6th overall despite their 4-2 and two record. They have had one heck of a schedule up to this point. Um, Belmont is receiving votes, and Northern Iowa are receiving votes. So the MVC is having a really good year so far this year. It's going to be really competitive. I think... I think those top three teams, Belmont, Drake, and Illinois State, are really going to battle this year for that conference. It's going to be really, really fun to see how it plays out. Yeah, it definitely has uh, everything it takes to be a multiple-team NCAA uh, conference this year, which is really exciting for yeah, Missouri I mean, Valley. They got it last year, and I think the top of the conference is better this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it was a while ago, I think I talked about it on the podcast, but I mean, even so, they had Illinois State losing the conference to Belmont, but they were still one of the last four teams in. So, I mean, in the way they've played lately, I think it definitely has strong potential to be a two-conference bid, or two-big conference, I mean. So, uh, like I said, I think that's it for women's basketball. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. So the last uh, sport we do want to talk about, uh, track and field kicked off their season uh, this past Saturday at home again for the John Coughlin invite. Um, just a strong performance all around for the Redbirds. Uh, ten event wins. I believe it was seven in uh, – or they swept the throwing events and then they only won seven field events. Uh, just what a start for them. I mean, they're picked to uh, win the conference, both men's and women's, for the indoor season, and – they definitely started off like a team that's going to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Just a lot of um, bright spots across the meet on Saturday. Um, really a strong start to the year and showing what they are capable of going forward. I think that's all you can ask for. I mean, just credit to Jeff Bovey and what he's built. Um, obviously, the strength of the cross-country teams is one thing, and then to have that also translate to track and field, um, I just think I'll consistently say that I don't think he gets enough respect as the leader of those four programs at Illinois State. It's a lot um, of work. The work he does is absolutely tremendous, and he just 
especially in a sport where, you know, a coach can only influence so much. He has shown the importance of coaching at the, um, on the track and field, and then on the cross country course as well. That great coaching does have an impact um, in those fields, and he just does a tremendous job with those programs. Yeah, being able to bring out the strengths in each of those uh, runners, throwers, jumpers, whatever it might be. I mean, it's it's not an easy job, and just such he, thin margins. Yeah, he's done such a great job with this program in his time with the team, and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to what this team's going to be able to do because they look really strong to open. Uh, they'll be back in action, I believe it is this coming Friday, the 9th, um, traveling to Chicago for the Blue Demon Holiday Invitational before over a month-long break uh, over the holidays to, before they kick back the season on January 14th. So uh, a lot of high hopes for this team this year for the indoor season. I'm sure it will be the same for the outdoor season too. I mean, they had a lot of success last year too. But the way they started this season, I think uh, they have a bright season ahead of them. There is actually one last thing I do want to talk about. Uh, as most of you might know, yesterday it was announced that Zeke Vandenberg um, is one of the final three uh, for the Buck Buchanan Award given to the FCS Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Zeke Vandenberg had one heck of a season uh, for the 6-5 and five Redbirds, who were a little disappointing considering the path they were headed on and looking at the games, many people thought they could easily make the playoff uh, with what the schedule they had. And then you had that loss to Youngstown State. You had blowout losses to North Dakota State and South Dakota State, and then you barely beat Western Illinois in overtime. So, I mean, definitely a disappointing end to the season, but a lot of bright spots. And uh, Zeke Vandenberg was the big one. I sent this to you yesterday, Reed, and I'll read it out loud. Obviously, record is going to be a big part, like you talked about. So they're going to bring that into consideration with uh, – William Mary being, I believe it's 11-1 and one right now. Mm -hmm. They're in the playoff still. But Vandenberg, out of the three finalists, is first in sacks, leading everyone by two. He's second in tackles for loss, one behind. He's first in total tackles by 29. He was the only one of the finalists with an interception. More passes defended than the other two combined. More, more forced fumbles than the other two combined. More fumble recoveries than the other two combined. All while only playing 10 games compared to 11-12 and 12 for the other two. So, I mean... That's just my pitch for why Zeke Vandenberg might just deserve that award, and I think winning that award would be absolutely massive for his future if he really wants to pursue the NFL. Yeah, there's no question. Um, and the thing about Zeke is while he does all of that, he is also just a really great person to be around as far as we yeah. can see from the media side. I mean, there's no ego to him. He loves um, joking around the press conferences with his teammates, you know, always has a smile, always very respectful, and um, – just someone that's easy to root for, and especially going forward with his NFL opportunities. I mean, if he doesn't represent an NFL team at some point, I'm not sure exactly what it takes because he just does everything so well. And I think he has the size, the skill, the professionalism that it takes to succeed, as far as I know, which obviously isn't a whole lot, but um, I really do hope the best for him going forward. And I was happy to see that um, there was a – player from a five and six team on there because that was my main concern that they would hold him back because of his team's record finishing at six and five and um from what i'd heard the playoffs are not accounted for so that yeah, is another thing season. another thing that plays to his benefit um so with a player from a losing team being selected as a finalist and the playoffs not being accounted for i really like zeke vandenberg's um uh chances as far as buck Buchanan award voting goes um and we see that i believe it's in december 
Uh, it's January 7th they announced it. Early January. All right, well, best of luck to Zeke um, and everything he's doing both at that uh, award ceremony and going forward with the NFL hopes. Yeah, like you said, I think one way or another, whether it's in the draft or it's free agency, he will end up on a team, practice squad, whatever it might be, he will be in the NFL, I think. It's just a matter of how he gets there and how long it takes because that kid, he's a heck of a player, a heck of a person. He's got everything it takes. So uh, I think that's it for me for mm-hmm. this week. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right. So uh, we should be back for one more recording uh, next week before the end of the 2022 school year. So make sure to listen in on that one. But in the meantime, follow us on our Twitter accounts at the underscore Vedette and at Biddy underscore sports, and we will see you next week.